You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are almost ending our series entitled 10. Uh, this is actually a series of the Ten Commandments. And if you've missed some of our preaching, uh, you can actually go and download our podcast uh, through our Victory app. If you have an iPhone or an Android phone, you can go and uh, look for that in the Google Play or iTunes. And we have a free app that uh, you know brings you all the series. Even in the previous series, you can actually just listen, it, uh, listen on it on the phone. Or if you don't have uh, that feature on your phone, if you still have a Nokia 5110, uh, maybe you can go and uh, use your normal computer and download victoryalabang.org and go to resources and enjoy the podcast. It's actually for free. As I said, this is the second to the last of our series entitled 10. This is commandment number 9. Everybody say 9. And uh, this uh, is an interesting commandment. Uh, I think this uh, probably involves uh, all of us. We have encountered this many times. But, you know, when you talk about this Ten Commandments, we've entitled this perfect law, perfect love. Because uh, the, the major statement that we have been saying time and time again every week is the perfect law was given by our perfect God out of His perfect love for us. And this is not meant uh, to make things difficult for us. In fact, um, the commandment of God is an expression of His love for us. How many of you are fathers or are parents here? You know, when you say something to your children, isn't it that it's an expression of your love? For example, if I tell my kids, don't eat junk food, okay? It's not to limit them because I don't love them, but it's meant for them so that they can eat healthier food. Okay, and that they will not ruin their dinner. Okay, and so when we say something to our children, it's an expression of our love. And you know, when when God gave these ten commandments to Moses and to the people of God in um, in Mount Sinai, it's meant as a written covenant of His uh, declaration of love for His people. And so I hope that we have been learning. Uh, for the past uh, eight weeks, uh, things about the Ten Commandments. Now, uh, just a very quick run-through of the purpose of why the Ten Commandments were given to us. Number one, God gave the law as a moral standard of living. In fact, this basically gives us a picture of the unchanging perfection and the attributes of God. Secondly, He gave us the law to restrain human evil. It is not meant to scare us, but we know that when you do sin, there are consequences to sin. How many of you would agree with me on that? That there are consequences every time you do something that's bad. Okay, And I hope that by now, you are aware of that. Third, it shows man's sinfulness. Uh, it basically gives us a picture that we are so far from God. And when you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is actually a moral code. It guides us. But somehow, when you look at it, it seems like it's so difficult to really obey everything that is written in the Ten Commandments. Okay? That's why in, in, in number four, it says, God gave the law for man to see our need for a Savior. That's why the purpose of the Ten Commandments is not to save us. It merely points us to the fact that you and I need a Savior. Now, how many of you tried obeying the Ten Commandments? Tried, tried. How many of you have perfected the Ten Commandments? Maybe no more, right? But we tried. You know, when I was younger, I tried to obey the Ten Commandments. But it was, it's difficult. The Bible says in James chapter uh, 2, verse 10, if you try to obey the commandments, but if yet at one point you stumble, 
you are guilty of breaking the entire commandment. So it's like guilty of breaking the, the entire Ten Commandments. That's why God gave this law to us as a mirror, as a picture, as a, um, almost like a wake-up call that you need a Savior. In fact, the Apostle Paul was eloquent enough to write this in uh, the magnum opus of the New Testament, the Romans. Uh, in Romans chapter 13, verse 20, he said, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the what? You can answer. Okay. By observing the what? By observing the what? The law, okay? So uh, it'll be good if I, you know, from time to time, if I ask you a question, you answer, okay? Uh, by observing the law, rather through the law, we become conscious of sin. So it's not about us being righteous by observing the law, but the law itself gives us a consciousness that we are sinful. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been known to which the law and the prophets testify. In verse 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in whom? In Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's a righteousness that came from us, not by observing the law, but by faith that comes from the Lord. The Lord Himself, Jesus Christ. But now what do we do with the law? In fact, the Apostle Paul in the next few verses continued writing because we might be confused since our righteousness comes from the Lord, then let's forget the law. No, he said in verse 31, do we then nullify the law by this faith? What's the answer? Not at all. Everybody say, not at all. Not at all. Okay, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Even if our righteousness comes by faith through Christ, the law is still important. In other words, it's still relevant for you not to kill people. How many of you have killed someone lately? Okay? It's still relevant. We still need to obey the law, right? You know, it's still relevant for you to be faithful to your spouse. Okay? Because that is part of the law. And today we're going to be looking at, you know, not bearing false witness, valuing the reputation of another, and so on and so forth. So I'd like to uh, uh, invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 20, 1 to 3, and then we'll jump to verse 16. I actually just decided to write this since it is the second to the last of our series. Uh, and I'd like to invite everyone to read out loud uh, all together. 1, 2, 3. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then we'll jump to verse 16, which is the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give us the grace to understand and to apply this truth uh, in our lives. We thank you, Lord God. Indeed, it is not right for us to uh, walk in darkness by living in lies. But I thank you, Lord God, because you are the God of truth. And as your people walk in the truth, indeed, this, the truth will set us free, Lord. We thank you, Lord, indeed today, that you will find in this place people of integrity, people of character, people who side with the truth. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. When God gave the Ten Commandments, at Mount Sinai, basically God was establishing Israel as a new nation. It's a brand new civilization that He is setting forth 
It's a new society. And so he gave his commandments for the good of his people. You see that in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 13. He wants to establish a great nation. That's why this particular commandment is the one that distinguishes Israel from the rest of the world. You know, the other nations, uh, they don't have such beautiful moral code. Uh, some other nation would actually sacrifice their own children to worship their idols. Can you imagine sacrificing your children to worship idols? Unahin mo na siguro yung black sheep sa pamilya, no? If you have that. But, you know, in the, in the nation of Israel, particularly in Christianity, we don't do that. It's a great law. It's a law that helps us establish not just a good nation, but a strong nation. Nation that is founded on the truth, and a nation that is founded on justice. How many of you know that there cannot be justice if there's no truth? Amen. And so, he was interested in teaching the people because Moses was the very first leader of that nation. You know, he was not the president, but somehow he's the judge. And, you know, and, and God was maybe giving this reminder, these commandments uh, for the people to obey because he knew for a fact that as they start out, you know, uh, having properties on their own and as they go to, the, to Canaan and have uh, their own uh, personal belongings that they will probably have a fight. You know, having, uh, you know, your own lot and, you know, the neighbor will actually encroach on your lot. And so uh, there will be court cases. And so he said this, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. In the Torah, that's the, the rule book of the Pharisees, there are about 1,600 uh, 13 laws, and that's, you know, it's, it forms part of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is part of that. And uh, there are two major commands that Jesus was emphasizing. In fact, when a Pharisee was asking the Lord one time in, in Matthew chapter 23, uh, he asked, a Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the great and the first commandment. So what he's saying is, if you want to summarize all the 1613 laws in the Torah and the Ten Commandments, this is the first one. Okay, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he proceeded, and the second one is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now how many of you love yourself? It's natural for us to take care of ourselves. I don't have to ask you that, right? You, you, you normally take care of yourself. The first thing that you look at in the mirror is yourself, okay? Uh, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In fact, another version is, on these two commandments hung the prophets and the law. So these are like the two poles or the two pillars on which everything stands out. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. If you love the Lord your God, you will have no other gods before Him. If we love the Lord our God, we will have no idols in our life. Are we getting it? If we love God so much with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we will not dishonor His name. If we love Him, we will actually obey Him and honor Him on our rest day. Okay? Whatever your rest day is. Normally, it's a Sunday. Now, the other is also true. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will not just kill people just for fun. Okay? You will not commit adultery. You will not get another person's wife. You will not steal from your neighbor if you love your neighbor. Are we getting it? So basically, the whole motive of obeying the command is not fear, but love. 
We don't obey the command because of the fear of punishment. We obey the command because we love the Lord and we love others. Now, the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, is one intriguing commandment. And it can actually pose so many questions. Another uh, translation for that command is do not lie or no lying. So let me present to you the case, the trial, and the sentence of this particular commandment. So since this is normally used in a legal case but not limited to the legal courtroom, we will look at the case of this ninth commandment. We will look at the trial per se and then what is the verdict or what is the sentence. Now the case for this uh, preaching today or sermon today is Exodus 20 verse 16. It says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So that's very clear. What's misunderstood is what does that really mean? Is that only limited to court cases? Is that only limited to legal actions? Okay, I'm not going to uh, use perjury or maybe slander or maybe libel. Libel is something that's a written defamation against another person. A perjury is a sworn statement about a case that's sometimes uh, that's many times false okay and so is it just limited to those things or are there applications outside in our daily life okay now there are two meanings of this commandment number 9 number 1 is do not lie when testifying in court do not bear false witness against your neighbor means don't lie about another person in court Especially if it will be to your advantage at the expense of that person. Are we getting it? Okay, I think that's basic. And how many of you have been in a courtroom? How many of you have been in a courtroom? Okay, whether as uh, a plaintiff or a witness or an attorney, maybe some of you are lawyers. This morning we had a judge in, in, in in our congregation, a judge and attorney. So, these are familiar cases. Now, maybe some of you have maybe watched just a TV series on, I don't know, suits or, you know, and you see all these different legal cases. So do not lie when testifying in court. God hates that. God abhors that. God, you know, when we make up something that is not real, that's bad and that's sin. Another meaning of this ninth command is this. If the first meaning is do not lie when testifying in court, the second meaning is do not lie, period. Tell the person beside you, do not lie. So how many of you think that this has application in our life today, every one of us? Please raise your hand. Okay. Now don't raise your hand. How many of you tried lying before? Maybe a white lie. How many of you normally use a white lie? And a white lie is an unimportant lie that is meant to be tactful and meant to be polite, isn't it? Right? If someone asks you, did you like the food that you ate? Oh, I love it. Even if you hate it, you just lied. Right? And you know, how many of you husbands, when your wife asks you, Han, am I fat? Now, you better pause there, okay? And you better think, uh, let me think, love, um, you're thinner than our neighbor. Something like that. I don't know. So, so, so I don't know how to answer that. You're going to be in trouble if you say, uh, yes, you're fat, and you're going to be trou- in trouble if you lie. So I don't know how to answer that. 
How many of you are getting what we're going through this afternoon? And we're faced with this situation almost every day. And sometimes, out of convenience, we lie to protect ourselves, to protect our reputation, to protect our ego. We lie. In sales, how many of you are in sales? Sometimes there's lying in sales. Hello. There's exaggeration in sales sometimes. There's over-promise, under-deliver. If you're a lawyer, some people call lawyers liars. Okay, I don't want to you know, generalize that. But sometimes you know, there are technical stuff that we can go through when you look at the legal system. And so a lie is a lie. Okay, what is a lie? It's anything that misleads or tricks our neighbor into believing something that is not true. That is a lie. Anything that is not true is a lie. And it's interesting, you know, uh, John actually differentiated fact versus truth. And he's spot on there. Fact is constant. It changes. But it doesn't change the truth of God's Word. That's why our barometer is the truth. Because the truth is the one that's constant. It guides us. Okay? So let, let's look first at the legal case. Lying in court. Now maybe you haven't gone to court. Or maybe you have not served as a witness. But you know, lying in court is so uh, prevalent nowadays. Um, giving false testimony by leaving something out of a story is a lie. You know, you have a testimony and then you left out something. It's a lie. There was a pastor who actually was uh, counseling a couple and the wife told the pastor, my husband actually was hard on me or was physical on me, something like that. And uh, he confronted the husband, and the husband said, uh, yes, he admitted to the fact that he actually, actually not just physical, but he actually kind of like held the neck of the wife. Okay? But yet the husband clarified, but before I held the neck of the wife, my wife threw a, uh, you know, a, uh, a plate on me, actually a shattered plate, and he was about to stab me. So in his defense, he actually just held the neck, because she was about to stab him. So how many of you know that that particular detail was very important? He was holding the wife because the wife was about to stab him. So, you know, sometimes if we, you know, miss out on the details, it will affect our judgment on a particular situation. You know, there's always two sides to a conflict. How many of you know that? And I realize it's not just two sides to a conflict, it's three sides. Your side, his side, and the truth side. The side of truth. And that is what we need to uh, uh, uphold. You know, Pastor Jeray uh, was, Pastor Jeray is one of our bishops in, uh, in our movement, and he was sharing this story of a classmate who, uh, many, many years ago, who actually had an accident, a car accident, and uh, just so that he can, uh, he knew that he was clearly at fault because he was the one who bumped. 
And so when the police investigator was checking on the car, he actually bribed the police investigator to side with him. And so the police investigator wrote the report, and indeed, he said that it was not his fault, wherein it was clearly his fault, and the police said that it was the fault of the other party. Now, the other party was not convinced, and he said, I'll bring you to court. And so uh, the friend of Pastor Jure said, okay, let's go to court. But yet, when he was being brought to the court, the other party said that you look younger than your actual age. And so part of the case was not only uh, who was at fault, but also his being a minor driving uh, with falsified license. So can you imagine? He was brought to court and it took him, I don't know how many months, just going back and forth to the court. It was embarrassing. They spent so much on lawyers. They spent so much on legal fees. And if they had just paid the original damage of the car, it would have been cheaper for them. How many of you know that it's always good to side with the truth? No matter how inconvenient it is. In fact, in Exodus chapter 23, it says, You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many so as to pervert justice. And how many of you know that Jesus was a victim of this? At the beginning of that week, they were actually hailing him, you know, uh, you know, Hosanna to the King of David. And at the end of that week, they were shouting, crucify him. Because the crowd was inciting about, you know, and perverting justice. Nor shall you be partial to the poor man in his lawsuit. You shall not pervert the justice due to your, uh, to your poor in lawsuit. Uh, keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous for I will not acquit the wicked. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 18 to 19, it says, the judges shall inquire diligently. And, you know, if the accused was supposed to be getting a certain sentence, if the false witness was found out that what he was doing was falsifying the statement, whatever the punishment was due to the accused will be given to the witness. That was the rule in the Old Testament. And it says, if the judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness, and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. How many of you know that is a scary thought? That if you, you know, f- uh, fed a wrong information, a vital information, and you became a, a false witness, whatever the sentence was given to this accused will be now poured on you. In fact, I asked uh, this morning if that was true in our current legal case, hindi naman now. Okay? They don't do that nowadays in our court system. Praise God. Okay. Now, lies are so prevalent in societies and in different civilizations. It doesn't mean that if everybody believes in a lie, it becomes a truth. How many of you know that? If many people believe in one lie, it does not make it a truth. For example, during the time of Hitler, when they were forming the Aryan race, the Nazi government, how many of you know that people believed in the lie that they are the superior race and the Jews are supposed to be eliminated? That's why... Millions of Jews died because of the belief 
of this particular lie. Societal evils have happened because of certain lies that have been fed uh, to them and people actually succumbed and believed that lie. The lie that abortion is not evil. There are certain countries that actually legalized abortion. Okay, that is a lie. How many of you know that once the you know the two cells, the egg cell and the male cell meet, you know, there's already life there. There's already conception. How many of you know that? And people are saying it's not yet a life. It's just a thing. But that it is a life. And it's tantamount to saying it's a murder if you abort a baby. Sad to say some people not only abort a small, you know, a, you know, a fetus, but now even sometimes even you know, two months, three month old babies. It's a lie. You know, back in, in the day when slavery was still popular, it's a lie. When people believe that a certain race is superior and a certain race is supposed to serve the other. That is a lie. That's why, you know, if a lie is so rampant in a society, it doesn't make it a truth. God's word has to prevail in our society. Amen. Because it is our guiding light. Let's go to the trial and let's try to analyze where this lying comes from. Now, let's look at the anatomy of a lie. Where did it come from? How many of you know that there's an originator of lies? And who is, who is that? Satan. You know, in fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 43. He, he was referring to Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. The devil himself is the father of lies. He was the one who first lied at the garden. Remember that? Genesis chapter 3, when he was tempting Eve and Adam. Adam was there, by the way. It wasn't just Eve's fault. Adam was right beside Eve when the devil was lying to her. It's the husband's responsibility to protect our wives. Amen. Are we here this afternoon? Yes. In Genesis chapter 3, in fact, Satan said and asked this statement, Did God really say this? Did God really say you're not supposed to eat the fruit? He was actually questioning the veracity and the truthfulness of God's word. And that was like the first lie. Lies entered mankind from then on. And man started lying ever since. If you are a parent, you're probably aware of this. No one taught your children how to lie. But how is it that they knew how to lie? How many of your children had lied at least once? Can you please raise your hand? Do you all have perfect children? Nobody taught them how to lie. Nobody taught them how to sin. Nobody taught them how to disobey. But they did that because of sin. Sin entered mankind. And you know, when he is the father of lies and he sowed the lies. Why do we lie? We want to try to understand why people actually lie. He specifically says, do not lie. Do not bear false witness. But that is also saying, do not lie. What are different lies you know, that we have? There's a, what you call a destructive lie. Everybody say destructive lie. This is motivated by hate. This is you know, in, uh, character assassination. This is gossip. This is slander. This is you know, basically you're meant to harm 
another person. This is more like a direct one-is-to-one effect of the law. When he said, do not bear false witness against your neighbor, you want to destroy the reputation of your neighbor. That is exactly what destructive lies all about. Deception is part of this. Information that is not true, especially done for personal gain. Every time you want to advance yourself for personal gain at the expense of others, that is a lie. That is called a destructive lie. Exaggeration. Adding more information to convey a distorted message. Right? And many times, we exaggerate on things. Wow! Did you see what happened? It's amazing! You know, we, we just lie to our face. To, you, know, you know, whatever it is, you know, we, we, we brag about things. You know, have you seen what I've, you know, my, what are my children, you know, the work that he has done, you know, and you add on to it. You exaggerate. You lie. Maybe you've exaggerated on your resume when you applied in your job. Graduated from Harvard, something like that. School of Laguna, okay? You, you omitted the Laguna part. You know, we, we lie, we exaggerate things. You know, you added more seminars there in that resume so that it will look good. Exaggeration. Adding more information to convey a distorted message. Now, how many of you are familiar with this word, gossip? How many of you have been a victim of gossip? How many of us have been part of the process of gossip? You know, our culture is just so enamored with this thing, you know, celebrity news, gossip, you know. You, you, we, we love hearing things. We love to be in uh, on, on what's happening. That's why we better be careful about passing on information to another person because, you know, deep in our hearts, we have an innate desire to put other people down, isn't it? You know, have you seen our leader? I saw him in a mall walking with a girl and it's not his wife. <gasps> let's just pray about it, okay? Don't tell anyone. Let's just pray right now. Okay, let's pray, Lord. Help our leader. And the next one where you told this uh, information to will now have another confidant. Oh, have you seen our you know, leader from the church? You know, this guy saw him in the mall holding hands with another lady. And they're living in. Can you imagine you added another information already? And then let's just pray. Don't just spread it out, okay? Just tayong dalawa lang to, okay? And then another guy found another confidant. Oh, you know, I heard from so-and-so and from this guy that there's a leader in our church who's now in a hotel with a girl and they have kids already. Can you imagine? You know, it's... it's Blown out of proportion. That's the nature of gossip. And before you know it, this leader, you know, who's just walking in the mall, who saw an old classmate, who just greeted, you know, a classmate in the mall and said goodbye, has now been defamed because of the gossip that has been spreading. Gossip is evil. Amen. Do not spread a gossip. When you hear a gossip, Here's what you do. Oh, did you actually see our leader? Let's just verify, okay? Come here, come here, come here. I'm going to bring you to that leader, okay? Let's just talk to the leader right now, okay? Is this true? That what this person saw in the mall, that you did, can you imagine? That will kill gossip quickly. Amen. Look at the person beside you and tell that person he's not talking about you. <laughs> Slander. 
is part of destructive lies, false and malicious information of someone, character assassination. And nowadays, we have what you call social media. To do a character assassination is so easy. You put something on the internet, or maybe just put on your Facebook Live, and you take something there. Can you imagine the destruction of the reputation of a person that you can actually do? And you haven't even verified if this is real. Character assassination. You better be careful with this. Amen. You know, it's so hard to repair a reputation because it re reflects on your character. How I many of you know that a good name is better than riches? You know, we take care of our name. We take care of our character and our reputation. Second kind of lie is a defensive lie. A defensive lie is when you protect yourself and talk our way out of a compromising situation. That's why you lie. You know, why did you do this? Uh, because si kuya, something like that. Okay, so you pass on the blame to another person. You do that in the office. You pass the blame. We save face is another you know, term for that. Saving face is another term for deflecting or defensive lie. They found out according to survey that 90 to 98% lie to save face. Because you don't want to be in trouble. That's why you lie in order for you to get out of a certain situation. Third kind of lie is a defective lie. So you have destructive lie, you have defensive lie, you have a defective lie. Carelessness, okay? Silence or not saying anything even if you know something about it. That's a defective lie, all right? Removing a certain information about something. You know exactly what happened, but yet you chose to be quiet. That's a defective lie. Saying half-truth is a defective lie. Or our popular white lie. This is where the category of white lie comes in. How many of you have told a white lie once in your life? Please raise your hand. Your girlfriend asks you, am I pretty or am I ugly? You're pretty ugly. Okay. <laughs> because of tact, before of politeness, we choose to not do that. Fear of rejection, you lie to another person where you live. You know, where do you live? You know, I live in Ayala Alabang village. Yung pala village lang, you know. Why do we lie? Very simple. It's innate. Sinful nature is there. It is the product of our fallen nature as human beings. That's why we lie. Everyone, almost everyone. And I don't want to generalize it, but maybe everyone really does it. Even if you are not there to defame another person just by projecting yourself to be somebody else who is not the real you is a big lie. That is lying. Even if you're not using, you know, others and destroy the reputation, but if you're trying to project yourself and trying to pretend who you are where you're really not is a big lie. You know, we see examples in the Bible. Even the patriarchs lied. Abraham lied about his wife. Remember that? When asked by Abimelech, who is this? Oh, she's my sister. Can you imagine if you have a husband who introduces you in a party, who's that? Oh, it's my sister. What you? What will you do to your husband? Ah, sister, ah, okay. Uwi ka sa nanay mo, di ba? And guess what? It did not end with Abraham. His son Isaac did the same thing. 
Same strategy, Abimelech asked him, Oh, is that your wife? No, she's my sister, Rebecca. And so on and so forth. Jacob, the son, lied also by stealing you know, from, from Esau. Lied about the birthright. Lied about, you know, lied about the blessing. They all lied. Samuel, somehow, when he was about to anoint David, when he was asked, where are you going? And the Lord actually told him, uh, just tell them that you are on your way to the festival to anoint David. Now, this is one thing that I can't really explain. But somehow, he said a half-truth. And God kind of allowed it. I don't know why, but maybe for a bigger purpose. The midwives, the Hebrew midwives, remember that? During the time of Moses, when they were killing babies, Pharaoh said, kill every Hebrew baby boy. But the midwives lied. And what, he said, what they said was an alibi. And they said, you know, Hebrew women are strong. Before we came, they've given birth already. So we couldn't abort the babies. They lied, and yet the Bible says God blessed them and gave them families of their own. I think when you look at the value of life versus the cost of lying, and I don't want us to do this as a justification of lying. Okay? That's another topic and another in-depth study. Okay? I'm not saying that it's okay to lie. It's not okay to lie. Tell the person beside you, don't lie. Don't. And you, I know Filipinos, we always go for the exception more than the rule. Eh, pwede naman pala eh. David, the greatest king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, lied to cover up his sin with Bathsheba. And yet God still redeemed him. How many of you know that we are desperate people, we are lying people, but yet there is a hope for us. Amen. Because God can redeem us and God can save us from lying lips. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16 to 17 says, These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. So it's always referring to the truth. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord, always speak in truth. You know, in your business practice, don't overpromise and underdeliver. Speak the truth. Speak as it is. You know, just say it as it is. It's better for you to be, you know, for them to, to, to buy things that are there instead of you exaggerating things. Don't entertain gossip. And I think you got the point already. Don't manipulate. Don't misrepresent. Pyramiding scheme, so on and so forth. There's so many lies that are out there. We've got to be careful there. False promises, defrauding. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19, it says, There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him or that are detestable to Him according to NIV. Number one is haughty eyes. Second, a lying tongue. Third, Hands that shed innocent blood. So these are kind of related. If you slander against another person, you are shedding innocent blood. If you're bearing false witness against a neighbor in the court by saying false things about that neighbor, that is shedding innocent blood. God is not like that. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, and one 
who sows discord among brothers. Gossip. Slander. False accusation. So on and so forth. If this is what God hates, then what is our sentence? I mean, how many of us are exempt from this? As I said earlier in James chapter 2, verse 10, for whoever wants to keep the whole law, yet stumbles at one point, is guilty of breaking the whole law. Maybe all of us are guilty of lying, but what's the sentence then? In fact, the Apostle Paul recognizes the fact that he is desperate. And he said this, because of his struggle with sin, with what is inside of him, he said, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know how it is sometimes we struggle, right? You know, when there's a temptation, I mean, if you still struggle with temptation, there's a struggle. You know, there's a decision that you have to make. Will I obey God or will I give in? Or will I do this? Or will I... it's, it's a daily thing. It's a fight. And the Apostle Paul said this. He acknowledged the fact that his body is always bent for evil. Who will deliver me from this body of death? In Tagalog, gusto kong bumait pero di ko magawa. Yeah. You know? It's, it's difficult to say no. But yet there is one advocate that we have who faced a court trial 2,000 years ago. And we see this in the book of Mark chapter 14, verse 16. And a high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. He didn't even rebut them, but he just stood there. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus answered, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. When he was in front of the high priest and was interrogated, he did not cower down nor bailed out. He spoke the truth. You know, a lie is when a person, to his advantage at the expense of another, will speak a lie. That's how people lie. In my own advantage, at your expense, I will lie so that I can be ahead. But not Jesus. At His expense and at His cost, He spoke the truth so that we will all be redeemed from the power of sin. Amen. Can we give the Lord a praise for that? What he did was at his expense. He was concerned about the benefits of others, including you and including me. Jesus spoke the truth. He spoke the truth that cost his life so that we can be redeemed from the power of sin. You know, God sees us where we are and God sees you fully. God knows the condition of our hearts. God knows our sin he knows we have failed Him, but yet He is not stopping there. He's out to the mission. He wants to redeem His people. Amen. And He wants to change us from inside out. He wants us to be people of the truth. He wants us to be set free from lies. And we know this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I believe that if we walk in the truth, 
not only will be set, we be set free, but He will also set us up for greater things in His kingdom. Amen. You know, I was looking at this scripture in Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah himself, when he saw the Lord and he saw the presence of God, realized that he was a sinner just like us. And he said in verse 5, Isaiah chapter 6, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Amen. You know, God does not want us to remain in our guilt and in our sin. He wants to change us from the inside out. Can we just bow down our heads right now? You know, if you've been struggling and you've had lies that you have said and maybe it's a destructive kind of lie or maybe a defensive kind of lie or maybe a deflective or defective kind of lie, and God wants to change us from the inside out. And Prophet Isaiah was humble enough to acknowledge, I am a man of unclean lips. And I'm not alone. And he said, I live in a people with unclean lips as well. What he's saying is that all of us are guilty. But a good thing is, he did not, you know, God did not leave him like that. And he sent an angel, like a picture of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that angel touched his lips with a burning coal and it was the one that atoned for his sin and took away his guilt. And I believe Jesus took our lies and our deceit on that cross. And if you will acknowledge our need for God, He wants to cleanse us right now from the inside out. If you are desiring to be changed, like, just like I say when he declared, Lord, I realize that I am an unclean man because I have spoken harsh or ill against my brother or there's a slander or there's a gossip. Can we just lift up our hand right now? Just ask for forgiveness before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, your word says you give grace to the humble, but you oppose the proud. And Father, even today we humble ourselves and we come before you realizing that we cannot change by our own volition or by our own work, we cannot change. It is the work of God in us that can change us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would forgive us from the lies that we have committed. Forgive us, Lord, for sometimes desiring to take advantage of our neighbor at their expense so that we can go ahead. Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us for just trying to hide things and for, uh, Lord, the misinformation that we've May, Lord God, forgive us if it affected a decision of another person because of our lying. Lord, forgive us. Cleanse us from the inside out. Lord, I thank you that indeed your grace is sufficient for us. And your grace is the one that changes us, Lord God. Give us a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone, Lord. Thank you. We receive your healing. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your cleansing even right now. Jesus' name. You may put your hands down. One last prayer before we go. Continue bowing your heads and closing your eyes. If you are here this afternoon, and if you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, as we have said, it is not by mere observing the Ten Commandments that we are saved. It is the finished work of Christ on the cross. If you want to receive Jesus Christ in your heart and what He did on the cross, 
and you want to be saved, and if you want to have eternal life, I want you to quickly just lift up your hand right now so that I can pray for you. Anyone at all, if you want to receive Jesus Christ, and it's a specific prayer, if you want to be saved, if you want to be forgiven, you realize that your whole life was a lie, believing that you can save yourself. I see that hand, sir. God bless. Anyone else? Just lift it up right now before the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. If you're lifting up your hand, just pray this prayer out loud with me. In fact, I want to invite everyone to pray this prayer out loud. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for going to the cross to pay the penalty for all my sins. I realize that I am saved by grace. And this is not for myself. It is the gift of God, not by my works, so that I cannot boast. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Give the Lord praise right now.